I've chosen his text for the sermon this afternoon. John 20, verse 29. We'll read that verse again. John 20, verse 29. And there we read the following. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So far the text. Beloved in the Lord, young brothers making profession of faith this afternoon, Garnet, Luke, you can't, you can't believe everything you hear nowadays. You can't be naive. On the other hand, you can't be skeptical, skeptical about everything either. Too disbelieving. Naive people easily get taken advantage of. Skeptical people can become cynical about almost everything. I think you need to see if you can sort of stay somewhere in between being naive, too naive, and being too skeptical. I have to think then of the words of the Lord Jesus, you know, when he told his disciples, be as cunning as serpents and as innocent as doves. You could take that as meaning somewhere between extreme naivety and extreme skepticism. So it's not good to be too naive. Think of a lot of uh, the advertising you see nowadays, you know, buy, buy now, wait till 2017 to pay. And then they don't tell you how much interest you have to add then or, or that what you buy is going to be half worn out or maybe even completely worn out by the time you're going to pay for it. Can't be too naive. On the other hand, not too skeptical either because You'll hardly believe anything anybody tells you anymore in the end. Well, in the passage that we just read from the Gospel of John, we see that the Apostle Thomas was a skeptic, skeptical. He, Thomas, wanted to see and to touch before he was going to believe that Jesus was alive. Today, we live among a lot of skeptical people like that. They only believe something that they can see or touch or experience themselves. And they figure that if you believe something without seeing it, experiencing it yourself, then you're, you're naive. Well, the two brothers who are about to profess their faith here this afternoon are going to say that they believe a Savior who they have never seen. Are these young men naive? Are they naive if they say they accept the truth of the gospel without reserve? The whole doctrine of God's word? Are, are, are they not putting their faith in a myth? Well, let's listen to our text for this afternoon with this theme, Blessed are you for believing 
without seeing. That's what the, using the words of the Lord Jesus. Blessed are you for believing without seeing. And we see two things. Thomas needed to see before believing. And in the second place, but believing without seeing is blessed. So first, Thomas needed to see before he'd believe. Thomas was not naive then, but a skeptic. He heard from the other disciples that Jesus was alive, but he figured they must have been seeing things. It was just too good to be true that the Lord Jesus had risen from the dead. Thomas couldn't fathom that and wouldn't accept it. Christians believe that Jesus truly lives. So not that Jesus just lives in our hearts or minds or so, but he, he physically came alive again after he died. Physically was there. They could touch him. And we also believe that he still lives today at the right hand of his Father in heaven. That's what those two young brothers here will publicly testify to later on. They believe that Jesus died and physically lives, as the Bible says. But isn't it kind of naive to accept that as the truth? Aren't we fooling ourselves if we believe that? How, can, how is that possible? How is that possible? You cannot scientifically explain this. And you know, it can come up in our minds too sometimes, can't it? Maybe we're in a skeptical mood sometimes. Can it really be true what the Bible says? Do we believe Jesus Christ because we want to believe something? Or is all of this just a, a nice dream? Is it all a vain hope, really? Thomas was a true skeptic. He wasn't going to let himself be fooled into believing what he hadn't seen or touched. Maybe he thought of himself as a realist. That's how he comes across in, in the previous chapters of the Gospel of John. For instance, you can take John 11. You know, John 11, that chapter describes how Jesus brought Lazarus back to life again. And then in John 11... Be, uh, he, he, Jesus waited before he went to uh, the region of Judea again. He was in the Transjordan to the east, but he had to go to the west to Judea and Jerusalem to get to Bethany, where Lazarus was. So he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But in Judea, you had those people who wanted to destroy the Lord Jesus. They were set on it. They were plotting that. And the disciples knew that too. But he tells his disciples, I'm going there to wake up Lazarus. He's asleep. And then they laughed. But he said, listen, I'm not just saying sleep, but I'm going to raise him up from the dead. Lazarus is dead. But Thomas 
was pessimistic about that trip to the west to Bethany, and he says sarcastically in chapter 11, verse 16, let us also go that we may die with him. He's, he's uh, realistic about things. Well, in, in John 20, we see Thomas the skeptic again. He apparently always figured things were going to turn out bad for Jesus. And now by all appearances, it seemed that he was right after all. Jesus had been put to death, crucified. Thomas wasn't happy about it, but he was re being realistic, he figured. That's it, it's over. And when the other disciples said they had seen the Lord, he figured they weren't being rational. They were obviously in denial. Actually, the other, those other disciples had sought, thought the same thing when Mary Magdalene had rushed into the place where they were to tell them that she had seen Jesus alive and that he had sent her to them. So, in actual fact, the other disciples were not much different from Thomas either. But Thomas would not believe them and accept what they said. And you can be sure that he would have loved to believe that Jesus was alive. That would be wonderful, but he figured he knew better. It's just impossible for somebody who died as Jesus had to come alive again. That was impossible. The man was crucified, had a spear stuck in his side, blood and water came out. Only if Jesus was actually there and he could actually touch those wounds in his hands and his side would Thomas possibly be convinced that Jesus was alive. But he figured that's not going to happen anyway. The others were mad. They had maybe been fooled by someone who looked like Jesus. And for a whole week, Thomas walks around convinced in his own mind that he's right and the others are not. They're mad. Day by day, you can imagine that he would become more and more convinced he was right. Jesus wasn't alive. See, congregation, here in that in that description of Thomas's doubt, we see that the Bible does take doubt seriously. Our doubts too, our wrestling with doubt, because we all sometimes have them, don't we? And this is why that's, this whole incident with Thomas is included in the Gospel of John. It can seem so naive to believe in Jesus Christ, to believe that he lives, so absurd to believe the doctrine of the Word of God is summarized in the confessions and taught here in this Christian church, as the form for profession says. That God created the world in six days and that He reigns over all things so that nothing happens by chance but everything by His direction. And that He sent His Son into this fallen world to save sinners. And that in his electing grace, he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, as the, the canons of Dort confess. That, that can all seem way too far out to believe, to accept, and to deny oneself, and to follow Christ, and to turn the other cheek, and to believe that marriage is a union of man and woman, and that sex belongs in marriage, and that Sunday is a holy day of rest, 
all of those things can seem out of date to hold on to in today's progressive society. No, it's not easy to believe and to continue to hold on to your faith and to walk in that faith. But to do so, Jesus says, to do so without knowing, without seeing, without touching, is to be blessed. And we come to the second part of the sermon this afternoon then, but believing without seeing is blessed. Back to Thomas. He couldn't take the stories about Jesus' resurrection seriously, but still after a week, he decided, maybe I'll go and see if those others have come to their senses. So the next Sunday, after he had first expressed his doubt about the truth of the other disciples' declaration that they had seen the Lord, Thomas assembled with the others again. Thomas was with him, and that day would become an unforgettable day for him. Suddenly, Jesus stood in the midst of those men, and he said, Peace be with you. And then he turned to Thomas. Seems like from the text, what it says in the text, he turned right away to Thomas. And Thomas looks at the Lord Jesus, and you can imagine that he had to swallow really, really hard. It's him, after all. It's true. He's alive. I hear his voice. I know him. This is really him. And then there's not much left of Thomas's skepticism. We're not told here whether he really put his finger in, in the marks of the nails or put his hand in Jesus' side. It doesn't look like it. I think it would have said that, but it, it didn't matter anymore because Thomas knew this Jesus so well and he, all he could do is stammer, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. And with those words, congregation, Thomas doesn't only express his assurance of the fact that Jesus is alive after all. There's a lot more to the belief that Jesus is risen from the dead. That Jesus lives and that he's Lord and Son of God. That changes everything. It changed everything for Thomas, the skeptic. He had faithfully followed Jesus for three years. He had learned a lot from Jesus about life and love and self-denial. Jesus' life was a wonderful example of righteous living. But when Thomas said, my Lord and my God, he was giving himself over to Jesus completely, professing Jesus as his only Savior, as the living Lord of his life. And note that he says there, my Lord and my God. My, that signifies his personal profession. He professes personal faith in the Lord Jesus, his Lord, his God. He believes from his heart, this Jesus is the Savior of my life. He's the Lord of my life. And with Jesus, I have a glorious future with God. And then the Lord Jesus says in our text, you know, you believed, Thomas, that you, now that you've seen me, and but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And the implication is that it's more difficult to believe without seeing. It's, it's harder. But 
if it's so important to believe that Jesus has risen from the dead, why doesn't he show himself to us like he did to Thomas? When Thomas saw him, he was totally convinced that Jesus lives and he's the savior of his life. Why Thomas and why not us today? Why Jesus knows it would be easier for us to believe in him, doesn't he? What if we saw him here today? If he appeared here? He could do that, couldn't he? Jesus knows that if he came here, he could show himself to us. But he says to Thomas in the text, Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. In other words, Thomas, I gave you that special privilege of showing yourself, myself to you so that you would believe, but I'm not going to be in this world much longer. I'm going to my Father in heaven, and I'm not going to come back and show myself anymore. I'm going to become harder. It's going to become harder for people to believe in me. People will have to believe in me without having seen me. The thing is, they're going to believe in me via your testimony of what you have seen and believed as my apostle. And here we have that apostleship again, congregation. The Lord gave Thomas the special privilege of having his doubts taken away by seeing him for a reason, because he's his, his apostle, the one who has to testify of Christ, the living Lord in this world. And I, I have to think of that something like a reporter for a news channel on TV. A reporter goes to places where the news is being made. And he reports on camera what he has seen. Sometimes you can even see what's happening behind him. As he's talking into the microphone, you can see what he's, what's happening. But he's giving a commentary on that. The, the reporter testifies to what is happening so that we, too, know what's going on in that place in the world without being there. We don't see it ourselves. We're not there ourselves. But the reporter testifies to it. And it's something like that with Thomas, the apostle. He was allowed to see Jesus. And not only for himself, but also for us. Thomas was one of Jesus' chosen apostles, and Jesus had big plans for those 12 men. After his ascension into heaven, they were his witnesses to the world. We touched on that this morning. They were supposed to give testimony of what they heard and saw about Jesus everywhere, testify that he was really victorious over death. They had seen him. They had spoken with him. They had eaten meals with him after his resurrection, before his ascension. And there weren't reporters with cameras at that time to record everything. But we have the testimony of skeptical Thomas along with that of the other disciples, apostles. And Thomas's testimony gives us even more reason to believe. If only one of the apostles had proclaimed Jesus' resurrection as eyewitness, you could maybe say, well, you know, he was seeing things but that all the apostles had been mistaken when they said they had seen him and spoken with him and were willing to give their lives for him, that's hardly likely. And that Thomas the skeptic 
saw him and confessed him, my Lord and my God. Well, that makes it so much the more believable for us. Well, that's why John was moved by the Spirit to record this event in the gospel too, so that believing we might have life in Christ's name, as it says at the end of this chapter. Let's not doubt, but believe. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, believe without seeing. Believe it on the testimony of the apostles. Blessed are you if you believe without seeing. Congratulations, in other words, says the Lord Jesus, if you believe in me without seeing. Of course, we can't do that ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit to work in us. But it's also our own thing. We need to believe without seeing. Let's profess our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just once here publicly then, but every day again. And professing faith in the Lord Jesus as your Lord and your God, that's not being naive then. That's simply accepting the testimony of the apostles the Lord appointed to be eyewitnesses of his glory, including the testimony of that doubting apostle Thomas. So there are, there are good arguments to profess your faith in the doctrine of the Bible, as Luke and Garnet are going to do here this afternoon. But you realize that faith doesn't ultimately depend on a lot of good arguments. Faith is actually a relationship when it comes down to it. It's a relationship with your Lord and your God. It's like a relationship between a husband and a wife. If a marriage relationship only depended on good arguments, I'm afraid a lot of good relationships wouldn't last very long because it's ultimately love that carries a marriage relationship from day to day and year to year. Well, faith is something like that too. Arguments, reasonings, maybe help. But believing in Jesus Christ is more than having a lot of arguments for your faith. It's ultimately just loving him in the spirit and living for him day by day, even if you haven't seen him. And yes, sometimes if you do that, doubt is going to creep up on you. You're going to experience that too, yet Luke and Garnet, even after you profess your faith today and you stand here, there can be doubts, times of doubt, time where you wrestle with things. Why and how? And... But there are a number of things you can do to help you stay strong in the faith you profess here today. First of all, listen to those witnesses. Everything, also about Thomas, was written down so that believing you may have life in Christ's name. The Holy Spirit works that assurance through the Bible. Open your Bible regularly, daily. Listen to the good news broadcasts every Sunday by Jesus' reporters in the Bible. And in the second place, don't stay on your own. You can't stay on your own. Be with Christ's people. Worship with them. That's where you're encouraged too. That's why Christ wanted a church. Thomas doubted. And then he was on his own a whole week, but he didn't stay on his own. 
No, the following Sunday, he was there with the other apostles in that room. And there, with the others, he met Jesus. It's good to be with brothers and sisters in Christ, to meet the Lord and worship with them every Sunday again. That helps with the doubts. In the third place, just drop all conditions you might have for believing. Conditions are not going to help. Thomas said he would only believe if he put his finger on the marks of the nails in Jesus' hands and if he could put his hand in Jesus' side where the spear had pierced his side. But when Thomas saw Jesus, he was overwhelmed. He, as far as we know, he didn't even need to touch those wounds anymore. So don't say, oh, believe in the Lord if I get better from this sickness or if I get that job or, or other conditions, because then you end up testing the Lord. And you end up doubting yourself. No, you can only truly believe and continue to believe if you drop all the conditions. And then you'll be able to say every day again, my Lord and my God. And then you'll be blessed for believing without seeing. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, our faithful and loving Father, thank you that our Lord Jesus Christ showed himself to his apostles alive, also to skeptical, doubting Thomas, so that he showed himself so that we might have eyewitness testimony and so that believing that testimony, we might have life in Christ. We might accept that Christ, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that we might have life in his name. Work in our hearts with your spirit through that testimony in the gospel so that we can continue in faith. And even if doubts creep in, we can overcome those doubts again and be convinced in our hearts that Jesus Christ really is our Savior. Be with the young brothers here before us who desire to now profess their faith before you and your church. Let them do that from the heart. Help them to be able always to the end to be convinced that the gospel is truth and that Jesus Christ is their life and salvation. For his sake we pray. Amen.